Where are you going to go for the best in college radio? The University of Central Missouri, of course. Tune in to the UCM radio station, The Beat. This is Voices of UCM, sponsored by Rise Community Services. Today, we sat down with David Zarate, a junior marketing major who also enjoys film and animation. We talk about the marketing major, his love for animation and film, and his collection and convention experiences. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Voices of UCM. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Zellner, and today I am here with a, our junior marketing major, David Zarati. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing pretty good. I really appreciate you for inviting me on here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll go ahead and jump right in, uh, and we'll talk about, talk about some marketing. So why did you choose marketing as a major? Well, originally, what I really wanted to do was act, but my parents, they weren't really supportive of that. So I figured, you know, marketing is a lot like acting, in a sense. You're basically acting your way to get people to buy products that you want, and I really enjoyed the idea of that. So I said, oh, why not? I'll do marketing. And believe it or not, a lot of people end up doing marketing were actually actors, like, in high school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's interesting that – so you initially wanted to be, like, an actor, like, for, like, film or for more of, like, a stage um... – more like stage, yeah. Okay. I really wanted to go to Stevens College. Uh, oh, yeah. I had a, a teacher in high school. He went there, and he really he really got me, like, hooked on the idea of going there. And plus, one of my favorite actresses, Jennifer Tilly, went there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty neat. Um, so, yeah, it was mostly, like, some parental, like, pressure. Like, was it more so thinking about, like jobs or it was my parents were really worried about the idea of not of me not getting work and i understand like acting in the sense that they think of is like you're either going to be in movies and become a millionaire you're not going to do anything yeah i think that's a that's a big perception around acting in general it's like either oh you're a big broadway star or you're a big movie star when really acting you can do it somewhat feasibly um wages are a complete a kind of a tough um, thing to discuss, especially with like all the, the strikes going on related to that, because their wages aren't super good in Hollywood uh, right now, at least. But so I can I can see the concern there for potentially not getting enough money. Well, one live. of my well, one of my favorite theories are based around marketing is like the idea of rule theory, which has a lot to do with acting. It's basically everyone in like the marketing world ba- mm-hmm. from like the consumers to the people who sell the products are acting in a sense and you have to know your role in what you're doing uh, okay so that's a that's a that's an interesting way of thinking about marketing i don't think i've ever thought of it necessarily as people acting in people like i guess just people acting right well all, all it is is just telling a story to get people to buy stuff i mean mm-hmm. Most of the time, people just think of, like, marketers as people in suits who are trying to entice people. But really, we're just trying to tell stories of why this product is great, why you should buy it. And, you know, maybe people just need to change the perception of that from guys in suits to just everyday people telling stories. Yeah, I think that definitely is the, the predominant, um, what's the word, like, the, the perception of, of marketing is that it's just, like, a bunch of... Like you said, it's a bunch of guys in suits in like a boardroom discussing, oh, how can we sell our product? And when really, at the end of the day, it is just 
figuring out how to act and convince people. Yeah, yeah, and you know, while my, some people may have an issue with that, again, it's it isn't as like just evil people in a boardroom, you know, some yeah. stuff you would see in like a cartoon or <laughs> some TV show or something. Yeah, it's definitely a bit more complicated than that, I imagine. Yeah. So what is like, what is kind of the the pathway at UCM, at least, for marketing? What does that kind of look like? What are the classes? Um, well, what I really like, like about the classes that I've had is like they try to get you really involved while the material isn't that difficult. Mm-hmm. They really want you to come up with strategies, get very involved, do group projects where you okay. work with the whole team. And, um, well... Uh, basically, a family friend told me to come here if that's what I wanted to do, and I've enjoyed UCM. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's very kind of group-based, um, kind of focused on kind of like getting that real-world kind of feel. That's exactly it. But I feel like also like the I, – I feel like the – the type of school that UCM affects that a lot, too, because what I enjoy about UCM compared to some of the bigger schools like mm-hmm. Mizzou or K-State or KU is, like, how it's a smaller community. Right. And it kind of feels like how – it kind of feels like everyone knows each other to some degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I think I've, I've been finding that, too. Um, you find that, like, in, in various classes, you kind of see the same couple couple faces uh, going around, especially in, within within majors and stuff. And I think that that's a, a very appealing part of um, of UCM is that it is it's still a pretty big campus. It's like a name that people know, but you're also not overwhelmed with the deluge of people basically doing whatever. Well, here's the thing I came up I came up with is I kind of feel like if I had gone to like KU, K State, again any of those really bigger campuses in the area, mm-hmm. I probably just would have been like a gray face among the crowd. Yeah. And I feel like the school kind of gives you more of an opportunity to stand out, make a bunch of friends or companions, and meet a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm definitely noticing that, like, in my major as well. It's like everyone everyone knows everyone. Like, all the teachers know everyone by name. They know exactly what they're doing. Like, oh, hey, what you working on? And then they're all very engaged in what um, students are doing. Whereas at, like, a bigger campus like a Mizzou or something like that, or even, like, something really big like a Harvard you're not you're not going to get that same personal connection with your students, and I think that really helps um, facilitate that a kind of healthy student teacher relationship, where it's like we understand each other, we know exactly what we're doing uh, here at UCM. Yeah, and every time I just all all the time, I'm also finding like new things at the school. Like I just found mm-hmm. out we had all these broadcast centers here. <laughs> yeah. I, I swear, I just wish I had known about this sooner. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even know we had, like, a theater room until, like, my second week here. Yeah. And, you know, it's always good to just go down to the Union, hang out with people, go bowling. Mm. How I didn't even, I, I mainly did online school at first, and I didn't even oh, know right. this campus had a bowling alley. Yeah, there's, like, it, it feels like there's a lot of, like, hidden corners of campus where it's like, oh, yeah, there's, like, this really cool thing, but it's kind of... You kind of have to be in the know to know about it. Like, for example, this, for example, like the Media Labs, um, and then some other places on campus as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I, I feel like, you know, again, authenticity is also a really big thing here, too. Oh, right, yeah. I feel like a lot of the people come off here as genuine. Again, all the professors I've had also don't, haven't given me any issues, and mm-hmm. they've worked with me if I had an issue. Yeah, I've definitely, 
like I said, like that good student-teacher relationship is is really great here. Um, so what kind of marketing do you kind of want to go into in the future? Do you want to work for like a specific industry or like a specific company or something like that? Well, that at the moment I'm still trying to figure out. What I'm mainly focused on before I get a job is finding an internship over the summer. Hmm, Recently right. went to a job fair at the school. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, May, uh, met a lot of alumni here over there, mm-hmm. and uh, they were basically telling me about what company they worked for. Um, God, the main two that I was interested in was, like, this company that was making, like, big semis that were also electric vehicles. Hmm. And That's interesting. Yeah, and I didn't notice it at first because I thought they were, like, a garbage disposal company. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other one was, like, this uh, company, what they – they're like the middleman in helping smaller companies get like uh, health insurance. Oh, okay. So yeah. Yeah, some some interesting stuff there. Um, so I imagine for like marketing and something, I imagine are as like having like connections, like networking and stuff. Was that kind of important for that? Yeah, it's really important to form bonds and relationships. Like even my mm-hmm. dad, he doesn't do marketing, but he's more like a contractor, oh, and right. he always stresses like the importance of building bonds with people mm-hmm. like my dad um sometimes he'll even go to people he whose house he worked on like 15 years ago mm-hmm. if there's like a leak in their roof and he'll fix uh, it up no charge oh dang yeah yeah so kind of establish like getting that yeah getting that authentic connection with people mm-hmm. is very important in in marketing yeah well I'm, not just in marketing but like in general in every job field you're gonna yeah. need you're gonna need that mm-hmm but I think, like, especially in something like marketing, where you're specific, where that's basically how you, how you earn money that way is by establishing that connection, that like all, real, like, authentic connection with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, I think we, we've been kind of talking about, um, like, how acting really ties into it. Um, do you think like that's probably like the most effective way to like market something or or what do you what do you think about that? I think acting in a sense, well, we all act in our daily lives and mm-hmm. it's like not I'm not trying to sound say that like everyone's kind of like phony or something. I'm saying like right. with different people we're going to act a different way, you know, like mm-hmm. hey, maybe there's someone we haven't seen in a while and they made us like really happy. Of course, we're going to act really excited and happy to see them or maybe you know we try to avoid some people so we just you know you know how you act when you try to avoid people (laughs) yeah something like that (laughs) but yeah it's not just like like i know i said acting like like an actor but even then that comes from like some part of authenticity like you know uh how do i put it uh yeah, it's it's just very important to know how you're going to act around certain people. Because, mm-hmm. of course, I'm not going to act with, like, you know, a possible client the same way I'd act with, like, a best friend or something. Obviously, unless you are best friends with that client. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So for those, like, the, we were talking about the, like, the secret areas on campus. What do you think is, like, your favorite little secret area? How about if that if that makes sense? <laughs> My favorite secret area, it's probably, again, like the little movie theaters here in Martin. I didn't oh, yeah, know yeah. that they were just here. Um, but, yeah, those the theater is really, really kind of interesting because it's just kind of – it's just one of the rooms 
Like, if you just walked by it not knowing it was there, you wouldn't know. Yeah. And I think that's really funny. Um, Recently, another professor of mine, again, in the marketing department, told me we could easily just go to someone on campus and ask them, hey, can we rent out this room and we could play whatever we want within oh, wow, reason. Really? I, <laughs> yeah. didn't, I didn't even know that. That's kind of crazy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, I lost my train of thought. I was going to say something there, and I completely <laughs> forgot what all good. Um, do you work anywhere, like, on campus, or are you not working right now? Well, right now I'm not working before this. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, just worked at a gas station, but oh, for okay, now yeah. I'm just relaxing. Um, occasionally, though, I will do some schematics for, like, uh, one of my dad's friend's construction companies. Oh, schematics? Yeah, basically it's like um, I have to talk to insurance agents about mm-hmm. – um, claims for like houses who were affected by like hail or something oh, right. and i get 10 percent of whatever like that is so i always try to aim for like big numbers oh right yeah ba- basically what i do is i just like put the put the what was it the measurements into a program kind of like excel mm-hmm. and all right because you know i mean i genuinely do not like dealing with insurance agents but i think it's kind of <laughs> good when you get to screw them over <laughs> <laughs> i mean like that's that's interesting. That what, how did that happen? Was it just like, hey, I need a guy? Can, can my dad basically just brought it up to me? Um, he always emphasizes the idea of hard work, and mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't really like give me money, but he gives me like the building blocks to how I could do this mm-hmm. to make cash. He gives you like the opportunities, yeah. to earn stuff, yeah, yeah, which, as, as opposed to just giving it to you outright, which I think is better because, like, I, I mean, I know a lot of people who come from wealthy families mm-hmm. and you could tell they've never worked a day in their lives and yeah in a real world setting they're kind of kind of sol yeah uh, that's definitely something that I, I know sometimes also that you just have you have some people who just do not do not know how to deal with like day-to-day work or whatever because they haven't had to work mm-hmm. before so i think that's really cool though that your your dad was able to give you that opportunity uh, because I imagine that'll that'll look probably probably look pretty good on a like a resume or something like that that you've already. It, it's kind of marketing adjacent, I imagine. It's it's communicating. It's like you said, it's acting. Um, so I imagine that would look really good on a resume or something like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back with more voices of UCM, brought to you by Rise Community Services. That's the sound of a door slamming in your face. That's the sound heard by many individuals living with a disability. But it doesn't have to be. RISE Community Services is committed to opening doors, not closing them. We believe that each person deserves a life that is full of hope and empowered by self-choice. If you or a loved one need help, please visit WatchUsRise.org. So, you know, I'm a dog, and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket, but it's always the same basket, and it's always the same place, and then they act so surprised when I find them, but I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Welcome back to Voices of UCM, brought to you by Rise Community Services. Today, we sat down with David Zarate, a junior marketing major who also enjoys film and animation. 
We continue our discussion by talking about David's affinity for both film and animation. So, yeah, uh, what are some of the what are some things you like doing outside of uh, <coughs> sorry outside of uh, class and stuff? Well, outside of class, I really enjoy um, you know watching animation, anime, cartoons, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, lately, um, I've been going more towards comfort shows again, stuff mm-hmm. like Ren and Stimpy or. Uh, the Simpsons, oh, but right. early early animation. Mm-hmm. What I enjoy about that stuff is like it was all hand drawn, and I'm not dissing on new animation when I say this. New animation's great too, but mm-hmm. I enjoy more to see that hey, this was like drawn on paper. Someone actually had to go out of their way to draw each and every cell, mm-hmm. and that's kind of something you don't get with newer stuff. Again, no disrespect to new animation; it's good in its own way right? because you can do crazier stuff that you couldn't before in that time. Mm-hmm. But it blows my mind when you look at some of that old stuff and you think to yourself, oh, my God, somebody hand-drew this. Yeah, every frame is hand-drawn. Like, like when you're looking at those, like, kind of older, like, super, like, very old, like, like the f- first couple of animated feature films, it's like there's, like, 10,000 frames or something crazy like that, and each one is individually, like, drawn, colored, painted, and it's just crazy to think about that type of thing. I think some of the craziest ones I've ever seen is, uh, I know you're a big Transformers fan. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Transformers the movie? Yeah. I all love the that, scenes, I love that movie. All the scenes inside of Unicron, all the flashing lights, especially when Megatron becomes Galvatron. Yeah. I, I can only imagine how long those particular scenes take to animate. And it's just mind-blowing that most of the people, most people just see that movie as like a commercial, which I'm not saying it's not. Well, it absolutely it for is, sure but, is a commercial. <laughs> but, like, there's still very clearly artistry behind it. Of course. Mm-hmm. Like, like all the – if you haven't seen it for real, just, like, watch that scene where Megatron becomes Galvatron. It will blow your mind. It's a crazy scene, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of crazy scenes in that movie, but we, we, can, we can save that for another time, I imagine. <laughs> we probably shouldn't. Well, I don't necessarily need to be just talking about just Transformers the movie on this podcast. <laughs> it's probably not the best idea in the world, even though I'd love to. We probably should stick to some other things. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you with that, like, tactile. It's almost like tactile nature of seeing hand-drawn animation. It's it's kind of, it's almost becoming like a lost art at this point, like, actually doing it hand-drawn on, like, cells and stuff. Um, a lot of like companies are kind of moving on to CGI, like a lot of anime yeah. studios. And uh, again, if that's your thing, that's that's fine. The few shows I can remember that have done CGI well, well, off the off the top of my mind is like probably Chainsaw Man. But even then, I think mm-hmm. they just rotoscoped that, right? I don't remember if it's rotoscoped or not. It might be. It wouldn't surprise me. Although rotoscoping is a, a whole other super interesting art form as in itself so yeah because I've, I've seen other studios try that cgi anime look and yeah well i get it you're trying to make a cheaper like form of animation not to stress everyone out it mm-hmm. just doesn't look as authentic like i think the worst one off the top of my head is probably like berserk and if you if you're yeah. a fan of that anime it's fine but i just did not like the cgi yeah i i don't really i i think cg is is interesting because it really depends on who's working on it, and if it's sti- if it's stylized in like an interesting way, then it, it can feel almost as as good as looking at like a hand animated film. Like like think about it, like Spider Verse. Like oh, that's yeah. ba- that's so clearly stylized. It almost has that same kind of 
wow, they spent so much time on this. Oh, yeah, Spider-Verse is amazing, but I think the issue is, like, when you get someone just to do a project, mm-hmm. when it just feels like another check to them, and there's no, like, um, artistic vision behind it. Mm-hmm. Spider-Verse, you can clearly tell all the people who are working on it, while, yeah, they were probably stressed out of their minds, mm-hmm. they wanted to, del- to deliver one of the best projects they could, yeah. and it really shows. And I think that's some. I think it's kind of something interesting about animation um, is that it doesn't really get the respect it deserves uh, by general audiences. And I think that's really interesting because back in the day, like first animated film, we're talking like Snow White, Fantasia, stuff like that. Those things were crazy popular and crazy successful at the time, and they were and they had respect. But I feel like it's been like lost over time from like various different factors. And I think that's. That'd be really interesting to see well, I think the that's, exact progression. Well, I think that's more like a, a cultural standard here in America. Like in other countries, like, you know, cartoons, comics, animation, that's more respected. Mm-hmm. Like um, I'm, I'm Mexican-American, and sometimes when I go to Mexico, it's, like, insane, like, how big they are into comic books, into mm-hmm. anime. Like how even, like, in Mexico, they're starting to form their own genre of manga. I forgot oh, what really? the name was called, but yeah, basically Mexican creators are making their own manga. That's really cool. There's so much demand for it out there. That, that's that's crazy, actually, thinking about that. Because, I mean, like, the whole anime boom really was only a thing in, like, the U.S. and, like, Canada. Whereas, like, in, like, other places, like, like in a lot of Europe and, and like, Central America and stuff, it was just kind of always popular and always there. And I think that's... That's interesting to see that kind of that differential between the two because in America it was kind of like the nineties, early two thousands, that's when it like got really big. And then it kind of fell off for a bit and then it came back like crazy in the twenty tens. Uh, but then everywhere else in the world it's just kind of it's kinda of always been there, always been popular. Yeah, like I think it's kinda of crazy that my mom, she's actually like a really big fan of Saint Seiya and Candy Candy, which are like <laughs> two seventies and eighties yeah, anime. Shows, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember uh, a couple years ago, we went to California, we went to see the Miyazaki uh, exhibit that they had there. Oh, right. <laughs> Whenever I go to, like, those big cities, mm-hmm. I always try to go to, like, whatever exhibit they have based around an artist. And while we were there, she didn't know that Miyazaki worked on some candy candy around the same mm-hmm. time as, like, Lupin and all that stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's definitely interesting to see, like, to see that kind of thing around the world and stuff yeah like recently i also went to new york i saw the guillermo del toro exhibit for pinocchio oh, yeah I, I wanted to go to that but i i didn't have a chance to it was it was just amazing and i i didn't even go out of my way to see it it was just mm-hmm. there at the it was right i was happened to be at the right time at the right place oh, and right. i said you know what i'm gonna go see this amazing i even mm-hmm. have photos if you ever want to see them yeah i might might look at them after the show we'll have to see <laughs> if i have time um the, yeah that's that's really cool. Yeah. So it sounds like there's also you also have some general interest in like film and stuff as well. Yeah, I really enjoy film. Um, recently, you know, the Halloween season just ended, mm. but whenever it comes to Halloween, I always try to watch like my favorite horror movies from childhood and you know just overall classics. Mm-hmm. Like. What are what are some of those that you you really enjoy? You know, I know it's not much of a horror movie. It's more like a mystery movie. But I really enjoy the original Scream. Oh, I yeah. yeah, and with Matthew Lillard in the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, it's really <laughs> it's funny. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny to see him in like one of his first big roles. Mm-hmm. He's amazing in that film. No spoilers though. Right, no spoilers. obviously, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Other movies I enjoy. Of course, Halloween. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> I if we're to... talking about horror classics, that's kind of the horror classic <laughs> for slashers, at least. I always try to watch Halloween on Halloween, but mm. what I enjoy... I do enjoy slashers, but there are some that I just can't watch nowadays, not because they're too gory, but they're too focused on just the gore, not telling a story. Right, yeah. I think that's what a lot of these... That's what a lot of, like, newer slasher films are forgetting is to tell a story. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of a, a general thing with just general cinema is that, like, it's kind of forgetting to tell the story. It's more about bigger effects, bigger graphics, bigger names, um, and then, like, the whole cinematic universe trying to get, like, 50 films established instead of just getting that one good film. Well, what I don't like about cinematic universes is, well, me personally, I'm a really big comic book fan. I mm-hmm. really enjoy reading comics in general, and this should be, like, the golden age for me when it comes to cinema. Right. But the thing is, they forget to tell that, to show us that these characters are heroes. They just feel more like secret agents, not actual heroes. Yeah. Especially with certain cinematic universes, you don't really see them save random people on the street Mm -hmm. like what's the point of like telling us hey the whole universe is on the line if you don't show us the people they're saving yeah Mm -hmm. that's definitely something i i know so i remember there's like this one scene that always uh, i see it pop up on twitter every so often it's from it's one of the iron mans it's either like two or three where like uh, a bunch of people are falling out of a plane it's like just iron man saving them and it's like a whole five minute scene and you just don't see those anymore yeah you really don't and i i just you know, get tired of, like, thinking, hey, where are the normal people? That's why I fall more into the line of, like, I like street-based heroes more than, like, people who are out there saving the universe because, mm-hmm. like, there's always a connection. One of my favorite superheroes is uh, Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, his whole thing is, like, he's, yeah, he gets paid to be a hero, but he's also a hero for the people. Mm-hmm. And that makes me think, like, you know, all of us could be, like, heroic in our own way, you know, like... By being a good and model citizen, and it doesn't ma- mean, like, you go out of your way to save lives, you know, just do good deeds every day, you know, mm-hmm. help people out, you know, or do something minimum, like, at least open the door for someone, you know? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's unfortunate seeing, in general, a lot of films, at least in theaters, and... Like every every single time I look at like new new movie release, it's all what's coming out next month. It's always like a big franchise film, or something like that. It's not you. I mean, there's still like there's still outliers, obviously, and there's there's still plenty of those. But it yeah. feels like more and more it's just brands being shoved down my throat at the cinema. That's why I try to like go for more for like a twenty four films, which are yeah. I feel like right soon we're gonna enter the golden era of like indie films. I think we're we're basically almost there because I mean like a twenty four is like. I feel like that's a big name now. Like, people, like, just general audiences are starting to see A24 as, like, oh, that's, like, where the good movies are. That's where, like, the really good stuff is. And speaking of A24, I'm really excited for their ne- next film starring Zac Efron, The Iron Claw. Oh, yeah, I saw, I looked, I was looking at that. It looks interesting. Yeah, it's a really sad story, but I really recommend watching it. I've mm-hmm. seen documentaries about that family, and I mm-hmm. could tell it's already going to be a tearjerker. Right, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> We're turning this into a film podcast now. This is this is what this is now. <laughs> That's okay, though. It's fine. We're talking about what we like, so I'm not going to complain too much. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for more after this break. Voices of UCM is sponsored by Rise Community Services. 
Every minute, there are six children born in the U.S., and one of them will be born with a developmental disability. RISE Community Services believes that an individual's potential doesn't vanish simply because they were born with a unique set of challenges. We believe that each person deserves a life full of hope and empowered by self-choice. If you or a loved one need help, please visit watchusrise.org. Only in the forest can you see this. And this. And this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. I didn't know it could do that! Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You're listening to Voices of UCM, sponsored by RISE Community Services. Today, we sat down with David Zarate, a junior marketing major who also enjoys film and animation. We finish our talk by discussing David's collecting and convention experiences and what he wants to do right after college. So you mentioned before the show that you also are, you're into uh, like collecting things as well? Yeah, I'm really into collectibles, and typically, right now, I'm mostly getting into, like, collecting, like, figures. Mm -hmm. um, God, the most recent one I picked up was, like, Shin Kamen Rider. Oh, Not the right. new one. Not the new one, but the body horror one from the 90s. Oh, wait, yeah, I've, 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 seen, <laughs> I've seen images of it. I haven't actually seen it. It's amazing if you haven't seen it, but mm -hmm. sometimes I just am always looking for stuff at conventions or... Right. Yeah, I, I also own, like, some pretty rare issues of, like... Well, not rare, but, like... Very important issues of Weekly Shonen Jump. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, one of my favorites is um, I own the first appearance of Blackbeard in One Piece. Oh, dang. That's a pretty big one then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I bought it for a really good price at the time. I know it's not like comic books where you could easily get them graded, but I really mm -hmm. want to hold on to that. Well, yeah. I, I wonder if you could probably get it graded. There, there's got to be some company out there grading those things because... I feel like they're as equally as culturally important as comic books at this point. Well, they're going to get to that point. I mean, everyone's on the hunt for new stuff, whether it be Pokemon cards. Well, trading cards in general. I've seen people go wild for the... Yeah, there was like, a, there was like that huge explosion over like COVID, basically, where a bunch of people just started getting into it and reselling and stuff. Not, not just like Pokemon cards, like Funko Pops, statues, mm -hmm. everything. And I think now is like a golden era for collecting. I've seen like people... For sure make such out-of-pocket stuff. I'm like, who's going to buy that? I um, collect SH figure arts. Recently, they just announced mm -hmm. Quee from Dragon Ball Z, if anyone knows who the hell that is. It's <laughs> <laughs> the most obscure characters possible, but I'm sure people will buy it. Yeah. <laughs> because it certainly seems like they think, the companies think so. It blows my mind that people are willing to buy it, but again, like... I'm 100% on board for it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's something I've also noticed. Because I remember when I kind of started getting into collecting, um, it must have been like, it was like 10 years ago at this point. Because uh, I started collecting when I was like seriously when I was around like 10-ish. So 
I remember back then it was kind of it was still kind of a niche thing. Um, you didn't quite get as many people talking about it, but now it's just like it's kind of its own little microculture, honestly, where it's just collecting things. Yeah, I think, it's, I think that's really neat. I feel like it's starting to get like more popular. I feel like here in the U.S., like more of these things are starting to be like more culturally like accepted compared right. to how they would have been like 10, 20 years ago. For sure, I've seen people that I would not believe would be in an anime or into it. Literally, a bunch of football players the other day were coming out dressed as the Akatsuki from Naruto. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's always it's always really fun um, seeing people who you would never expect to be into the same sort of perceived niche things that you're also into, and then you just see them, oh, yeah, I like that too. And it's it's always a really cool feeling to have that happen. I'm trying to think which football player it was too, but they had a whole – they – showed up at like um what was it uh san diego comic-con just to get like an exclusive naruto statue <laughs> that's so real <laughs> and everyone was just like <laughs> crowding him this was like a was this like an nfl team or? yeah like oh, actually, yeah, yeah, i think i actually i heard about this Never i think mind. he was yeah. on the panthers or uh the lions but it was one of them but that that was that was crazy yeah um that kind of reminds me of like one time i don't remember what convention it was but like jamie lee curtis her son wanted to go to like a convention and and so she cosplayed as vega from street fighter to make sure that people like didn't flood around them oh, <laughs> and that, i think that's really neat that reminds me of when uh brian cranston uh just cosplayed as uh, walter white one time with a mask <laughs> so people weren't aware that it was him <laughs> that's really funny so i think that's that's the beauty of these conventions is like anyone in a costume could be someone famous and you just would not know. You just no, don't necessarily know. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, and then, and then the thing about conventions, it's just fun to see. Like I said, having that bunch of people just into the same nerdy kind of stuff that you're also into is is really fun to see. And then also seeing like the craftsmanship behind all the cosplays and stuff, oh. it's fantastic. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen some amazing cosplays in my time. I've even done a couple with friends. Lately, I've been getting into doing 3D printing. All right. Which, that's been pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Um, What I've been doing is just making power rings from, like, the Green Lantern Corps, Yellow Lanterns, all all that stuff. I don't want to make anything too big at the moment Mm. because I don't want to, like, mess it up. Right, yeah, because that's a lot of filament you're wasting. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a lot of money. It really is. But, um, yeah, Dream Cosplay, though, definitely get a group of people to do the Sinister Six from Spider-Man. Oh, that, would, that, would, that would be really cool to have a whole group, have a whole group of friends dressed up as, as the Sinister Six. I think that would be really neat. <laughs> yeah, but one day I just hope to be able to start doing helmets and all that crazy stuff I've seen yeah. online. That's kind of like the main thing that I would want a 3D printer for as well as for, is for costuming and stuff like that, like being able to print out. Um, like you said, like helmets, I think are the big one yeah. that I would want to. Because there's a lot of things where it's like, I want to dress up as this character, but there's not really anything affordable uh, or or good to dress up for like helmets and stuff. Because it's either, oh yeah, you can get a helmet for 50 bucks, but it sucks. Or you pay $500 for the helmet and it's fantastic, but you're paying $500 for it. So I want to find that good middle ground. Yeah, I have a friend who's like a really big fan of like Ben 10. And he was so upset that there were no like cosplay omnitrixes that fit adults oh, that he went so out of his way to learn CAD. <laughs> like a CAD program to make one that would fit him and only him. That's that's so that's so cool that you can just do that. Yeah, and that's that's, that's so neat that I can just I can just pick up a pick up CAD, learn that and then print out something I want for a costume. And then like all the 
all these uh what aren't they like trying to develop like 3d printers that can make food too that wouldn't surprise me yeah if that's where the technology is going but that would be a whole other crazy thing i imagine imagine just like being able to make like a chocolate statue of like anything you want and you just 3d print it in in your living room (laughs) that would be crazy but that's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility yeah (laughs) um so, kind of going back to this, we're going completely back to like the start of the show now, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, do you have any particular like places you want to go after college? Like any particular places in the U.S. or something? God, after college, like I was thinking about just taking it some time off and just like mm-hmm. either going to Mexico or like Asia for like a month. That's All always right. been my plan. My family has like a really nice home there. Um, Mm-hmm. I'm I'm of like Oaxacan heritage. That's like really okay. down south in Mexico. Right. We're like one of the few like states that actually kept our cultures before the settlers. Well, before the Spanish came. Mm-hmm. So uh, down there, it's really nice. The food is great. Um, favorite meal is definitely like mole. It's like a kind of spicy chocolate sauce that you put on chicken. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and you know we can just grow that stuff easily there, mm-hmm. but. The house there we have, it's, like, 10 minutes, 15 minutes from the beach just walking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have, like, our own trees that grow mm-hmm. mangoes, lemons, and, Dang, yeah. like, tamarind. You know you know what tamarind is. Yeah. It's not even, like, people typically say they have fruit growing by their houses, and the fruit's not even that good. Like, the fruit is good enough. You can just pick it you off. Pick it off and then. Eat it or wash yeah. it. I typically just wash it, you know. Well, yeah, you wash it to be safe, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't want to take the risk. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it kind of so- sounds like you just want to kind of. Take it slow for a month or two. Yeah, and then just come back and find a job. I think, mm-hmm. I think really, and I've been telling my roommate this too. He t- constantly talks about how he hasn't traveled. And I tell him like, hey, why don't you just save up and once you're done with college, mm-hmm. take like um, two weeks to a month off and just yeah. relax, reflect on what you did because it's it's a big accomplishment getting your right. your degree, your diploma. Not a lot of people can do it. Not a lot of people can say, hey, I did it i spent four years and i did it Mm -hmm. that's something i noticed like with people coming right out of college they feel like they have to go get a job immediately it seems like that's like kind of the societal expectation is that you're done with college now get to work but that isn't necessarily the right option for a lot of people and i think opening that up just like hey you can kind of take it easy for a month or two after college i say the most important thing is just enjoy your youth you know you're not Mm-hmm. You're, you don't want to, like, rush into, like, being, you know, older, kind of grumpy, and then, you know, you didn't enjoy your youth. You went straight into the workforce, and I get it. Some people don't have that luxury of being able to, you know, take a, two weeks to a month off. But, like, I say if you can do it, do it. There's no rush. Yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. All right, I think that's a, that's a great place to leave off right there. Uh, thank you. Thank you again, David, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you inviting me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for sure. This has been Voices of UCM, sponsored by Rise Community Services. Be sure to tune in next week at 7 p.m. on Wednesday and Saturday. You can listen to the show at ucmbeat.com on either the live feed or at any time by going to the Shows tab and finding the Voices of UCM tab. Once again, I'm your host, Andrew Zellner, and we'll talk next time on Voices of UCM.
Did you know that the University of Central Missouri has been leading innovation for nearly 150 years? With more accreditations and more qualified faculty members, our commitment to academic success is unparalleled. And we make sure every student receives the support they need to graduate on time and with less debt. So whatever opportunity you're looking for, make your impact sooner at UCM. With campuses located in Warrensburg, Lee Summit, and online. Find out more about UCM and the power of opportunity in action at ucmo.edu.